When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, Chicago, what do you say? This is the CHGO Cubs podcast. Uh, and the good news is we can't be hurt by the Cubs today. <laughs> um, Cody Del Mendo, Cody underscore CHGO, Ryan Herrera, Ryan underscore A underscore Herrera. And Luke Stuckmeyer's out. He's sick. Uh, so we invited Evan Altman to come join us. We were hoping Luke would be there for, uh, for that as well, but... He's, he's basically in Luke's place today. So yeah. big of you, Evan, to be here. <laughs> you know, I, uh, I I tried. Like I said, I, I'm, I'm just trying to shoulder it. You guys have no idea what it uh, what it took me to get on here today uh, using a keyboard that uh, the bottom row of keys doesn't work. <laughs> so actually typing out a name that has a couple of N's in it is uh, is less than ideal. Fair, fair, <laughs> enough. fair enough. Fair enough. Um, all right, so it's Monday. We're back. Hit the like button. Hit the subscribe button if you haven't subscribed to CHO Sports YouTube channel. Um, I think I'm doing all the things that Luke says. Am I missing anything, Ryan? Uh, reviews, five star reviews, five star reviews on our, yep. wherever you're listening to your podcast. If you're listening yep. to us through podcast form, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, sorry, we're a little late as well. I know the YouTube chat, y'all like to give us crap when we're late. It's not our fault we, today. It's not our fault. It's legitimately the Bears guys' fault. <laughs> like, our sh- all our shows at CHO Sports are an hour, but the Bears guys consistently go well over an hour. I don't blame them. They keep getting <laughs> tons and tons of Super Chats. So they have to, they spend like 10 minutes reading Super Chats at the end. Yeah. We'd um, love to read Super Chats. I would love like to do minutes, that so. as well, so we could go over 10, 20 minutes every show. But, you know, again, credit to us for being here, no matter what. Um... <laughs> Love the Bears, guys. Coming off a win. It was a it was the first weekend in forever where I just wasn't brutally destroyed by Chicago sports. Fair enough. It was a, it was a good weekend for the Bears. Yeah. Nice to get it out, out of the way early, too. <laughs> All right. Um, so I guess we could start with, you know, the postseason recap of this weekend. A lot of fun games, I thought. Yeah. Um, Evan, I'm, I'm curious, uh, you know, when I was watching – yesterday's game between uh, Texas and Baltimore all I could think about man is well Baltimore could use a pitcher and uh, we have one very nice high quality Marcus Stroman who might opt in and you know he has no trade clause and there's a lot of question of you know what will the Cubs do to to uh, you know make the rotation better next year and I'm I'm curious your thoughts on like that that kind of idea because I know at the trade deadline last year or this past season there was rumors of you know Stroman being traded but in Baltimore perhaps being you know maybe a, a suitor of sorts so I I'm curious your thoughts on on that kind of trade scenario Yeah I mean I I think it makes a ton of sense I I'd, I'd written about that at the time um, you know, Baltimore really seemed to match up because they, they don't, and we're kind of seeing it so far. Um, you know, they don't have a great rotation at all. They've got a ton of young talent coming up, pretty much all position players. Right. And at some point, you can only promote so many guys, right? So mm-hmm. they're going to have some redundancy there. The Cubs, again, depending on what they do, right? The By all accounts, it seems like Stroman's going to opt in or not opt out, as the case may be, uh, which kind of makes sense out of the second half he had. But then the Cubs are in a tough position, right? Do you do you then pick up the option on Kyle Hendricks? Mm-hmm. If you do that, are you really comfortable as Jed Hoyer? Are you saying we're cool running it back with the same rotation, right? And mm-hmm. he's said that he doesn't want to run it back in in general, right? And it would make a whole lot of sense. I mean, Stroman, even with the rough season that he had there toward the second half, started in London, right? And then it was just a series of injuries and other issues, but still $21 million, for a guy who could be, what, two, three? Especially if you're looking at the Orioles rotation, that's not that great. That's nice cost control. You're not sitting there looking at a long-term deal beyond that. 
And I do think the Cubs would like to move in another direction if possible, right? That's one of them where Jed Hoyer, so not trading for Justin Verlander several years ago, I think Jed Hoyer is still kicking himself about not being able to trade Marcus Stroman, I think is something that he'd also look back on and be like, man, I wish things had worked out because his value was not going to get any higher than uh, than that point. So, yeah, I think that's absolutely a move that could happen. Um, although at the same time, it's like they're holding all the chips because I just said Stroman's a good starter at $21 million. So if you don't trade him and you keep him, there are far worse situations to be in. I just I think it might make sense for both sides if it was something like an Orioles deal. Yeah, yeah and uh, you you said he does he does not have a no trade clause in his contract. As far as like I'm looking at Spotrac, mm-hmm. doesn't have one on here. So I believe he does not have a no trade clause. Did so I say that he did? I'm yeah, sorry. So it, it's it's a move that the facts get in the way could be made obviously by the Cubs. Um, yeah, I, I I kind of agree with you in the in the fact of like what are the what are the concerns about running it back with the same rotation? Like where do you where do you get more depth? Right, because. They had what we thought was a solid rotation, especially when Hendricks came back in late May, and he's been he was solid the whole year. But like obviously Stroman got injured, Tyone um, just did not have a he had a very inconsistent season. Drew Smiley ended up in the bullpen. Like the fact that they had to bring Jordan Wicks up in August to start like immediately enter the rotation through the rest of the season, um, that kind of showed that the depth they thought they had wasn't necessarily there uh by especially by the end of the season so I guess I'm, I'm I'm curious if like how how do you envision or how would you like to see them even regardless of Stroman obviously coming back or not or get, being traded whatever wherever he ends up um, on opening day how do you see this team or what, what do you think this team needs to do to kind of have that depth that they just kind of lacked all season yeah I mean if you look at it, I, I think depth is one thing, and I think, for lack of a better term, I guess dynamism, right? The, it, the rotation is not very dynamic. It never was. Yeah. There's nobody in there who's going to come out now. Hey, Justin Steele, don't get me wrong, right? He, he shoved plenty. But outside of a start or two, he's not a dude who goes out there and misses a ton of bats. Mm-hmm. Kyle Hendricks isn't missing bats. Marcus Stroman survives by ground ball contact largely. Wicks, very similar. The changeup when it's working gets a lot of whiffs, but the, nobody in there. And so I think that's that's the issue you run into is like, who's that guy who you see out there who's pumping 95 to 100 regularly, striking dudes out, doesn't matter about the matchups. He can just go out and dominate. You know, I'm not saying they need to go get prime Jake Arrieta back, but somebody in there who kind of changes the look. It's. I feel like sometimes you can get in there, and, and we saw it, right? There were there were times, and part of this is on the offense, but they just looked like they would run into teams sometimes who, even though the teams might not be that good, it was just a good matchup for them against those Cubs pitchers. And you get a few of those dudes in a row, and you're just like, oh, okay, we know what they've got. We can go beat these guys. And, and if we saw this down the stretch too, right, you need elite-level defense pretty much all the time. When, when Dansby Swanson and a couple times Nico Horner kind of down the stretch there, it just seemed like they weren't quite as sharp. Then all of a sudden stuff falls apart because if you're relying on outs through contact and you're not taking advantage of that every single time you slip up a little bit, then things can fall apart. So I, I just, I would love to see them go out and get that. You know, I mentioned Verlander. That's part of the reason Hoyer and, and at the time Epstein wanted to do like that because you're talking about somebody who throws high 90s, gets strikeouts, different look, and the Cubs simply have not had a guy like that in the rotation and I mean gosh how long now it's been a minute yeah I I bring up the idea just because I agree in the fact that they just don't have a lot of different looks in this rotation I kind of emphasized that a lot last week with the lack of swing and miss in the rotation that doesn't mean that I think that Stroman Hendricks and Wicks and Steele are bad or bad starters it's just more of they they need something different in there, right? And Cade Horton just isn't available. He's not going to be available on opening day. I, 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 I would assume not. Yeah, right? I would be shocked. And so, yeah, they need to. I just think running it back with the same rotation isn't exactly a way that's going to, you know, improve the roster. It's almost like you just be running it back with the same team again and. You know, if they improve offensively, if they improve the lineup a lot more, uh, maybe maybe it would change my thinking. But at the end of the day, and I think we've seen that in this postseason so far, p- 
pitching is going to get you through the playoffs, right? Baltimore has been one of the best teams in baseball all season, but as you can see, like the pitching isn't that great. Their deadline acquisition was Jack Flaherty, who who came in out of the bullpen in that in that game yesterday. Um, you know, the Dodgers. I know Kershaw is on the mound, but with Bueller out and um, I think that oh Urias yeah, out, out because of the you suspension. know the off the field stuff, like. Kershaw is not a he's not in his prime anymore. He's like a lot different pitcher than he was in his prime. The Diamondbacks, who've been the hottest team, I feel like, since they decided that they were gonna beat up on the Cubs, uh, they put up nine, ten runs on the Dodgers in LA. And then, you know, they the, the Diamondbacks, they pitch. And they've pitched this entire postseason, especially against Milwaukee too. Like there I just think that the pitching is just so it means so much more once you get into October. But obviously, you have to have the offense to get there. And the Cubs' offense this year was very – it was very good at times. It was very bad at times. It never felt like it was in the middle. So, I guess to bring it back around, to me, like, if you're able to move a guy like Stroman, if he opts in, and, you know, get a little bit of a different look in that rotation, I think it helps them down the line. So, um going through all these different games and stuff what is there a game that like made that stuck out to you well, let's ask Evan Evan yeah. did, how much did you watch a ton of ba- uh postseason baseball this weekend anything stuck out to you no I mean I, I've uh I've followed it a little bit more on a on a peripheral level just I say you know it's it's time for me to unplug for a minute from uh you know the like I said I don't I don't want to get hurt by anybody um although I you know I've I followed the Rangers are kind of like my AL team, I, I do a lot of business in the in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, so I know somebody who's got Rangers season tickets, so I usually get to at least one game, if not two or three, down there. And the Cubs are going to open their season down there in uh, in Texas next season, so probably be there for that. But it, it just, like you said, I, I do think, oh, there's Corey Friedman. We, we love it when my, uh, my large adult son, he's not very large, but my adult son, Corey, uh, it's nice to, to see him and Brendan on here uh, occasionally. But anyway... Yeah. Um, Brandon's got better hair. Corey's got a better personality. It works out, but um, <laughs> we'll see. But uh, but no, I I do think you know you mentioned pitching, but I think you also look at power in the postseason, mm-hmm. right? You look at teams that out homer their opponents typically win, and that's and that's because of the pitching, right? When you have really good pitching, it's harder to string together rallies. It's not as easy to little you know push runs across with that, so you have that power, which again would would make me look at Atlanta and say like, oh, these guys should cruise. Um, not always the case, but yeah, I, so I, I like what Texas is doing. Uh, I like the fact that Milwaukee only played two more games than the Cubs, um, which was, which was nice. Like I watch out of spite, like I'm more petty. If my team oh, yeah. is not in it, then I just go pettiness. So, and then, and then after everybody I dislike is out, I'm just kind of like, all right, cool. I'll, I'll just sit back and kind of observe, uh, from a third party nature. And it's kind of nice, but, uh, yeah, so I'm just kind of letting it flow. Although I like the Orioles too, right? That's another thing. I do love those up and coming teams. I will say that while I hate so much that their fans had to go through all those hundred loss seasons and, you know, deal with all that stuff. It's cool that they stuck with Brandon Hyde through that whole time. Right. Mm -hmm. So you get a guy who went from losing a hundred games to winning a hundred and, you know, last place to first place that they didn't just recycle this guy and say, Hey, we're trying to lose on purpose. Sorry, buddy you're out as soon as we turn it around. So that's that's cool to watch, you know, again, former Cubs coach. So I look for more storylines than actual games at this point and just kind of take it easy. Yeah. What, um, I guess more general, you mentioned the Orioles. Obviously, they've lost the first two games of their series. Um, you know, Braves lost their first game. Like, what do you make, like, there's this whole, like, discourse of the, <laughs> the um, teams format. that get a bye yeah. uh, for the wild card round being disadvantaged quote-unquote, because of the long layoff between, obviously, the end of the season and when the division series starts. Um, I don't know. What do you make of that? Do you buy Do you buy that? Do you think that that is a, um, you know, a, a more of a disadvantage for the teams that instead of getting, like, three days off or a couple of days off, they get six days off? Do you think that's too much of a layoff? Like, how do you – what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean – I, I'm I was more in favor of like the single game wild card mm-hmm. type. Like I I hated it 
like the the Cubs being in it, you know, or a team that you you love and you follow being in it is is a little bit more stressful. It's a lot more stressful in one game, right? Um, yeah. For anybody, and and it's such a crapshoot. However, three games is still not enough to really. I mean, I know we play those games all during the season, but that to me is kind of a cheap playoff series in the first place. Like you can get lucky once, and then now you're up one nothing. You know what I mean? It's like a bad an umpire's bad call in the first pitch changes the at bat. So, um. But I do at the same time, right? You talk about the break following the season, then those three games and another break. More than any other sport, baseball is a game of habit and routine. And as soon as you take those players out of that for any – and we're talking just a few days. Yep. I think that becomes significant, right, with how the pitchers are lined up, how those guys are used to being out there. Hey, I know six days a week this is where I'm going to be at this time, and this is you know my routine that I go through. And I think it becomes a little bit more difficult. It's not like football where you need that – extra week in there that time to recuperate or basketball even right where man just getting a break after back-to-back games or four nights and five days like you have to have a few days off so you know i think there is maybe a psychological and just a like again more than anything it's not a physical thing right not playing for several days but i think mentally just it's very different for baseball so i I do think sometimes it could take those by teams maybe a game or two to kind of catch back up mentally yeah, I mean, I don't disagree with that. I just think, I think the routine is is a very yeah. I don't disagree. Good argument. I don't. I don't disagree with that fully. I just think that the format itself is so much better than the one game playoff because, like, yeah, like some people in the chat, like Craig, he says, unless you have a pitcher like Arietta going in one game <laughs> wild card against Pittsburgh, like he did in fifteen, he just went out there and shoved nine innings down their throat on the road, and he was having a Cy Young caliber season. Uh, you can also be on the other end, like the Cubs in 2018 were, where you won 95 games and had to play in the wild card because Milwaukee, you know, won game 163 and whatever. But a team that won 95 games had to play a one, got to play one wild, uh, one playoff game. And yeah, if they win, then they go on and play more. But I just feel like a team that won 95 games deserves to play more than one game. And so I guess there, for me, it's always just been depend depending on like how that team played and like for the most part the only thing I disagree about with the new playoff format is the fact that division winners played in it right like Milwaukee had to Mm -hmm. you know they were a division winner and they had to play in the wild card series and then on for the American League it was uh was it I can't remember who Uh, was it is it blue the twins twins yeah twins. yeah and so like you know, like if there was something I would change about it, it would make it to where the division winners all got a buy. But like, I don't, again, then that kind of. I think there's just not really a good, like there's never going to be a perfect right. solution, a perfect way to conduct the postseason, especially when they're adding a couple or potentially two games to the, mm. the wild card series, right? Like I know TV and, and, and the, the, the league and the TV and the money are all going to play a factor into it. Mm-hmm. Um, I just don't think there's a perfect solution to it. I don't, I don't hate this structure. I don't love this structure. Like I'm, very, I, I guess I feel kind of indifferent cause I'm like, I understand it's, it's very uh, kind of a nuanced um, postseason structure now. And it's only a couple of years. So I'm like, I don't, I don't think the sample is large enough to be like this is absolutely a huge disadvantage for yeah. the buy teams. I think we there's still a, a few more years before we can kind of really have a good sample of, uh, of saying that. But uh, I just don't think, regardless of how you do it, there's going to be a great structure for it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, think about. I mean, we've talked about 2015 a couple of times. But think about that. The Cubs had 97 wins. Yep. They had the best record of any non-NL Central team in the league. And they were third in their own division because two other teams won 100 games or more, right? So that that was wild to see, like, oh, a 100-win Pittsburgh team or 99 or whatever they had, and then a 97-win Cubs team playing a one-game playoff yeah. to see you can go forward. You're like, you could conceivably be the third-best team in baseball, and now it's decided whether it's one game or three games or whatever, I'd kind of like to see them just go, let's seed it. Like, yeah, you automatically get a bid for winning the division, but from there, seeded by record. Like, it gets you it gets you nothing beyond – it gets you entry, but you don't get an automatic buyer or whatever, right? So, uh, those central teams maybe could – I don't know. The Twins twins would still be playing in it. The Brewers would probably still be playing in it, but we'll see. Yeah, I guess, you know, there are always going to be, like, those 
weird years, like 15, for example, what the Cardinals won 100. It was 198 and 97. Yeah and, then, yeah, and then the Pirates won 98, right? So, like, we had the division hasn't been nearly that good since then. It's crazy. Um, but I get to me, I don't know how they would do it, but I, if there was any change that I would make, it's that division winners just didn't play in the wild card series because to me, like, what's the incentive? Like, that's like kind of taking away the incentive of winning the division, you know, in in some aspect to me. Because to me, if you win a division, you you should you should get rewarded with the buy, like yeah. the Braves and the Dodgers did, and and you know the other two teams in the American League, you know. So, yeah. I I don't, I don't know how they would do it because there's just not enough teams to where they could. But again, that's my my one thing about it. So, uh, I will say that I'm still rooting for the Diamondbacks or the Phillies at this point. All city teams. The all city teams, yes. <laughs> I guess I am a business a business guy or a company guy, but I'm rooting more for the Diamondbacks than I am the Phillies. Now, if if it comes down to Diamondbacks and Phillies in the NLCS somehow, some way, uh, I will be rooting for the Diamondbacks. But if the Phillies outlast the Diamondbacks then I'll move on to them but the Phillies team I gotta admit they are a fun team it makes me upset but it, they are a fun team um so I guess like postseason is one thing but we are a Cubs podcast we should talk about some more Cubs right now yeah. um and Evan, sure. I guess my 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 big question and I guess that's 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 a major topic for discussion for the entire offseason mm-hmm. uh, for Cubs fans is as David Ross and the job he did in 2023, what are your thoughts on that? What are your thoughts just overall? Like, yeah, David Ross's performance in 2023, and you know what? I, I think we all again are like I would be completely shocked if David Ross is not managing the team on opening day. But how how do you feel about David Ross going into next season? Yeah, I mean, I, I ran kind of hot cold on it i think there were some times like I, I do think he did a great job of managing personalities right keeping the guys motivated there were certainly may was a really rough month where you're just like oh man this dude this team looks bad um and, and then you know then there were okay in june and then all of a sudden it was like coming out of the second half right i mean through yep. the second half of july and august they were i mean it was the braves and the cubs basically i mean you talk about like run scoring home runs everything man to come back from that but and some of this was exacerbated certainly by personnel you know whether it be injuries or just you know different performance issues whatever i do think that a lot of the in-game decision making and we look man we would parse this no matter who the manager is you're gonna pick it apart when that stuff happens but i i do find or i did find there were a lot of times where just some some questionable moves, some of which, again, we don't know, you know, we'll hear, uh, you know, I mean, heck, David Ross uh, told you uh, members of the media, right? He's like, of course, I'm going to lie to you sometimes because <laughs> I can't say whether a guy's going to be down yeah, or he's not. dealing with something or whatever. We're never going to know. And you can't because you can't let the other team know that. Like they have yeah, to exactly. think that maybe this guy's there. But I, there were some weird, you know, I, I'm not going to point out specifics, but I just I felt like strategically that there were maybe some times where they could have perhaps gotten a little bit of an advantage and they didn't. And some of that's gambling, right? It, 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 hey, we got a 51% chance. That's what we're going with. And the coin just flipped the other direction. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm with you though. It's, it's certainly Sammy. I mean, he'd been getting, I mean, Tom Ricketts and Jed Hoyer and, you know, addressing the media have both expressed a ton of support. It's hard to believe that they would move in a different direction. Although, uh, there's some there's some managerial uh, candidates that are out there and uh, could be free agents that I, I think, you know, possibly you, you kind of go after because this would be the last year, right? He's a lame duck manager in terms of his contract. You're a team looking to take that next step. I do think there's there's a little bit of uncertainty in what happens beyond that. Is he the guy? I can't say definitively. Yeah. At the same time, I, I do think that there's maybe some managers who I'd trust a little bit more when it comes to taking a team from where the Cubs are and kind of that transitional period to like, okay, we want to be the Braves and compete every year at a high level. I, I don't know that that's him, but 
hey, you give him a much better roster and anybody looks smarter, right? So, right. yeah. What's your take on him during the month of September? <sighs> yeah, that was, um, I think that was probably the roughest month. When we, when we match up like public statements about, you know, I'm going to go with the guys that got us here, yeah. which is really kind of odd because the whole point of bringing new people in is because you, you assume that I don't care who got you here. Here is not the goal. Yeah. We're, you know, hey, middle of September. That's not the end of the season, man. You want the guys to get you to October or, you know, more than a day in October, which they, you know, the, the season did end in October. So um, I, I thought that was a little bit strange. And and also like, yeah, man, I, I totally get it, right? We, we need to go with those veterans. That's how it's got to work. But at the same time, it looked like those guys were maybe a little less sharp than they could have or should have been. And hey, a break every now and again, just mentally. I, I look at look at what the little mental break did for Seiya Suzuki. Mm-hmm. Ever since he came back from that a couple games off, best hitter in baseball, more or less, right? So again, I go back to that mental kind of thing. And it, it, those questionable moves, right? I think they loom large when you do see that bad losing streak or you know the stretch there, kind of starting from mid September on, where just they couldn't do anything right for more than maybe a game or two in a row. And some of that felt like it was preventable. Again, easy to draw that narrative up after the fact, right? Maybe things look different if they they catch a break one place or another. But uh, yeah, I just, I, I felt like kind of that, that usage of some of those fringe guys on the roster where your rosters expand to 28 players. And yet it almost felt like the Cubs kind of shrank back to a smaller rotation of guys Mm -hmm. until you know it was really forced by injuries and and just them being out of it yeah i would i would lean to agree with with that that was kind of my my issue was just the lack of i the lack of i guess giving some of those guys a chance i understand on one hand you're they're playing in all these close games it's like must win games since july pretty much and Mm -hmm. he just didn't have trust in a lot of those the the rookies like Alexander Canario and Pete Crow Armstrong and Luke Little. So like on one hand, like I understand, but I, I guess for me it was all it, it's like you got to mid September, you got to a week of the season left and things weren't going good. And it, I guess for me it was like, can we can we try something different? Can we shake it up? And it felt like it kind of reminded me of how things were going from May going into June and um, you know, that series against Anaheim where they got swept. And I remember at the time, I think most of Cubs Twitter, just Cubs fans in general, just wanted a, a, a different look in the lineup. And David Ross finally put Mike Tockman in the leadoff spot. And suddenly the offense started to perform better. So I guess for me, I don't know what it would have been. I don't know who they would have used more, or done this or that, because we didn't see it. But that's kind of what I my point has always been of just – it was like insanity. You got to it got to a point where you you felt like they were always going to get a lead and then find a way to give it away. And that, whether it was because he used the same bullpen guys over and over and over again, or the fact that the offense could score runs but just not enough on that one particular day, whether that's all on David Ross or not, it just felt like he was just all in on that particular route just because. We're gonna go with the guys that got us there. Type quote. So, it's uh, it, for me, it was very frustrating from that aspect. Yeah, I, you know, I, I looked at it and and you know that stretch of was it twenty seven games in twenty seven days, right? We, I, I think it ended with that series in Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you know, I looked at it. And I'm like, he probably could have gotten a, got some guys a couple days then. Um, but like people, you know, two weeks left in the season, people talking about this guy needs a break, this guy needs a day. It's like at that point, it's like no, it's kind of late for that. Like this, these guys, your best guys need to play, and they just need to perform at that point. But I, like I said, I see the other argument of maybe they were, maybe there was a little bit too much sticking with the guys that got us here um, when you could have, I don't know. But I also said it last week, like or maybe the week before. You know, the Cubs, to their credit, didn't get, like, blown out in any of those games. But maybe if they did, they could have gotten a few more looks at some of these, uh, some like a guy like Luke Little, right? If they had, if they had gotten blown out in the game, he could have got some more innings, covered some more innings or not. But, again, it's also a credit to them. But I will say, I mean, you look at the Braves, right? Matt Olson played 162 games. Acuna 
and Riley played 159. Albies, Marcelo Zuna, and Eddie Rosario all in 140. So there are, you know, the best team in baseball. A lot of their guys also didn't get a whole lot of breaks throughout the season, though. So I, there's a very another thing where it's like a nuanced argument and kind of hindsighty in, at a point if, if it if it doesn't work out. Yeah, and I, and I think you know there's something to be said too, right? If you look at look at in the course of just an individual game, you look at it and say, hey, a, a pitch thrown with the bases loaded and a one run lead is is more taxing on that pitcher than if you've got a ten run lead. Yeah. Look at the Braves, man. They ran away and hid from everybody. Um, they're all hitting 35 bombs or whatever. It, it's easier to play from out front. And I think it was really taxing mentally. I keep going back to that every time. I don't think it's a physical thing so much to climb back from where they were from the Cubs going from 10 games under to 10 games over. And you look at their playoff odds and then you look at how they crept all the way up to like 93, 94%. And they just immediately fell off. I think, you know, you climb a mountain, that's a lot more difficult than walking a straight line. Right, yeah. walking down a, a maybe even a decline for some of those Braves players. It's like, <laughs> yeah, just show up, roll the ball out, hit 15 home runs in the game. Yeah. It, it's good, you know. Like, we're just they they knew where they were going to be the whole time. So I, I do think there's something to be said for like, and, and like you said, when you're sliding down the backside of that mountain is kind of too late at that point to start giving breaks. It's it's when the oxygen's getting thin. When you're climbing up near the peak, that's where. Hey, man, we're just you know have sit out for a while. Just this one game, Dansby. I know you don't, and, and and hey, there's a lot of pride involved. There's a lot of egos at play, mm-hmm. and and that's something to be said too. So it's not just a Ross thing. Like when this dude's your leader, and this is the guy you went out and designated as we're we're signing him to kind of show us how to win. It's it's very difficult to tell him like, hey, you're gonna sit. And no, man, I don't want to sit. I want to I want to be in here until we win it. So there's so many factors there that I think uh, you know it's it's much easier in the moment to kind of gloss over, and then you look back and you're like. Yeah, I guess it did kind of make sense the way they had to do it, but yeah. Did they uh, overall though? Did they surpass most of your expectations for the year by one game? I said I pegged them at eighty-two games, eighty-two wins. Um, <laughs> Luke would be beginning, telling you right so, now that he picked eighty-three. Yeah. Luke, Luke got it on yeah. the money. He won't let us hear the end of it. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, you know, and it, and it felt like for a while there, I was like, man, I really undershot him. Is what it sort of felt like. And I was like, oh, man, as I watched this, like, they're coming, coming back down. But, you know, I, I think, at, again, at times they did, certainly like right out of the gate, right? We looked at them like in April when they were winning those games by, they weren't hitting many home runs, but it was get them on, get them over, get them in, play solid defense, yeah. get ground balls, right, from the pitchers. We saw that. And then when they went on that hot streak, you know, I referenced that earlier. It was kind of a different brand of baseball. I mean, they were hitting a bunch of home runs, just scoring in bunches. You know, the pitching was kind of secondary at that point, right? Their their pitching actually took a back seat in a big way for a while there. It was like, wow, this is they're they're showing these more dynamic ways to win than what I had expected. And so there were some things there. You know, again, I was really bullish on Cody Bellinger and he far exceeded my expectations, right? I I thought Say Suzuki could be really, really good for a while. Everybody was talking about how dis- how big a disappointment he was, and then all of a sudden, he flips it around. You know, um, so I think there's some areas, yeah, where absolutely they outperformed anything. I think any of us, again, the most optimistic, wouldn't have thought that. But there again, the issue I think at the end of the day, it just came down to consistency. They just couldn't. You know, it, it was Bellinger carried him for a while, and then Suzuki carried him for a while. You didn't see as much of that. You, know, you look at that Braves team. I mean, look at how they destroyed the Cubs down there. And it was like every single play. You look at that lineup, you're just like, how are you going to get through this? Yeah, and it man. didn't matter. Like, they're all dangerous. And the, the Cubs felt like, all right, on any given day, if I can figure out which two guys in this lineup are going to be good tonight, I, you know, we'll, we'll beat you. <laughs> and then just, just figure out the two guys the next night or whatever, because it's only going to be two. Usually it's not all of them. So, right. yeah. yeah. That's why someone asked in the in – the, chat earlier i don't remember who it was but like what's more important this offseason uh, improving the lineup or improving the pitching um, and i would tend to lean towards the lineup i think just kind of exactly what you're saying is they you know obviously need more power like that was something jed talked about last off going into last offseason um didn't like obviously like cody bellinger ended up addressing it but like we didn't know what to expect out of him um so like going into the year it, it didn't feel like that area was really addressed enough. And I think we saw that throughout the season, especially the last, the second half where 
where you know, Jed has talked about like the best teams blow people out. The Cubs weren't really blowing anyone out for most of the last two months. Again, it was a lot of close games, which in turn forced you know David Ross and and, and the, the pitching coaches or whatever to really lean on those the trusted relievers because they were playing in so many close games, whether it was uh, they were winning by a couple or losing by a couple, it was constantly using those guys. Um, but I, th- I think that kind of is a, somewhat a domino effect from the lack of power or just uh, less power than they need to be that like really, really good team. So yeah, again, I, I asked the question to you then is, is the lineup more important to you or is the pitching staff? Can, can we, can we hold that for a tease? Cause we need to do some ads. Okay. Let's hold it. All right. We'll do it after the, after the ad break, Evan. <laughs> Sorry, Ryan. Uh, Evan, I'll ask you this question, though. Are you in the market for a new or used vehicle? I'm not, but my wife may be. Okay. Well, Tell her listen, up. listen up. All right. <laughs> if you are, then we have some great news for you because Ray Chevy and Fox Lake just joined the CHGO team, and we are talking to the team at Ray, and they have – this pledge called the Ray Price Promise. It's a guarantee that the price you see online is the price you pay when you go into the dealership. We found that in many way or in many cases, other dealers will raise the price on you when you come into the dealership. Saying things like, "Are you a recent co- a recent college grad? Are you active in the military? Are you a farmer?" And in most cases, the answer will be no. And that's when the other dealers will raise the price on you, saying the price online included. Limited rebates that you do not qualify for. Well, at Ray, that is not the case. The price you see online is the price you pay with no add-ons to the price ever. In fact, Ray will do everything possible to find additional savings for you, which may make the price lower than you see online. As one of the top-selling dealers in the Midwest, you'll always be able to shop one of Chicagoland's largest inventories. And right now, you can save big at Ray Chevy during the truck and treat savings event because 0% is back and now available for new Silverado trucks, the perfect tailgate vehicle this football season. So come on in to to Ray Chevrolet and Fox Lake and find the vehicle you've been searching for. The best of all pay zero hidden fees with the Ray price promise. Visit Ray Chevrolet in Fox Lake or RayChevrolet.com serving the community since 1963 find new roads that's the best stuck version i can do there you go uh evan i got a question for you are you a bears fan sadly but are you a bears fan i am (laughs) well i gotta tell you right now i don't know if you're planning on going to any bears games this season that you know they did just win so like we're kind of we're back it's kind of it's kind of the stock stock's going up um but if you do want to go to any bears games i highly recommend using game time to get your tickets. Uh, you shouldn't have to worry when you're buying tickets to your next big event. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater events near you. With killer last-minute deals, all-in prices, views from your seat, and their best price guaranteed game time takes the guesswork out of buying tickets. Cody went to a lot of Cubs games this season. He could tell you firsthand, like game time, right? It saved my life. <laughs> saved his life. There saved you go. my life. There saved my go. bank account, I guess you could say. <laughs> Shout out Game Time. Um, game Time is the only ticketing app that gives you complete peace of mind with your purchase. See the view from your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. All in prices show your total up front so you know you're getting a great deal without hidden fees. You can buy tickets in seconds with just two taps. Game Time is obsessed with finding ways to help you save money on tickets. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the start of the of the event and even an hour after it starts. It's the place to find last-minute seats, find exclusive flash deals and sponsored deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. With Zone Deals, you pick the section and Game Time picks the seats for an average of 18% savings. And the Game Time guarantee means you'll always get the best price if you find tickets in the same section and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. Take the guesswork out of buying tickets with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code CHGO for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem that code CHGO for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. Guaranteed. All right. I forgot the question oh, yeah. that you originally asked. What, 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 when heading into this offseason, what do you what do you want to see the Cubs? What do you think is the most necessary thing to address for the Cubs, the lineup or the pitching? I mean, I, I guess if we look at the idea that one way or the other, right, however, they, they're going to have to replace Bellinger, right, whether that's with Bellinger mm-hmm. 
or if you know again if he leaves for for greener pastures literally greener pastures um or i guess it'd be figuratively because he's probably not actually getting a like a suitcase full of cash but um <laughs> maybe boris can negotiate that i don't know scott boris is a, is a pretty uh pretty savvy guy but that's that's the tough part to me is that they they did what they did with a dude who was there on a one-year deal and then not only do you have to replace that but then you've also if you're looking to improve you've got to do better than that in some other places so is that you know is that third base but we know the middle infield's locked up we know the corner outfield spots are locked up catcher probably i mean i assume they you know uh they bring gomes back and you got amaya there what you do at first base so i mean really we're looking at first base third base and center field you have three places where you can make any kind of legitimate upgrades, assuming the other spots in question, the other four hold up, right, and continue and, and perhaps even improve. I know there's been, you know, there's already rumors circulating about uh, how they could go about addressing first base, but if you don't replace Bellinger and you look at Pete Crow Armstrong taking over there, a lot of people freaked out about a very, very small sample and him looking overmatched, which is kind of natural when you're young and first coming up. But even if he's... 110th percentile of what we expect from him he's not going to match what bellinger gave him offensively right so now you're looking at the corner infield spot i just i think it's it's most necessary that they improve the lineup however i think the the possibility and the ease with which they can improve the pitching staff is significantly greater like that i feel like hey man bullpen maybe go get another starter you can do that with ease Jed Hoyer's most difficult task will be the necessity of of improving that lineup. Yeah. Do you do you think Christopher Morell can actually play third base? Like if if they throw him in the Nick Madrigal like lab or whatever they <laughs> the did off season training program. the <laughs> off season training program, like because to me he's like the wild card of of adding someone at a position of need. That's the cheapest way possible. When they could, and then they could spend money, whether it's on Bellinger and, and whoever else, you know. I are how do you feel about Morel, play, like potentially playing third base? Yeah, I mean the the dream, right, would be like, and go back to when the news of Madrigal getting reps at third base in spring training or before spring training, like first hit, and I think everybody either nobody took it seriously right it was like everybody was either laughing or going like oh god if this happens we're in trouble and the dude finished fifth in the majors in drs and i think sixth in outs above average for third baseman despite actually not even playing there that much imagine with with that arm you know limited arm strength limited range now if you can make chris morrell that same guy with that cannon and with that athleticism it would be insane uh, but therein lies the other issue, which is that and I didn't even address DH as a position, right? But Morell, once he kind of figured out how to stay in the flow of the game mentally, and I, I've repeated myself over and over and over again with the, like the mental side of the game, but once he figured that out, now that dude's a really solid DH, and that's not – I know it's easy to say like, a, you know, there's maybe not as much value there. It's easy to go find it. as I don't really think it's that easy for a guy – to be able to play that position, quote unquote, and do it well. So now you're saying, okay, well, if Morell's a third baseman, well, who's your DH? Right? And you look at that roster, like, is it is it Matt Mervis? Do you trust him to come up and maybe do that and play some first base, whatever? Um, but yeah, I mean, everything about Christopher Morell screams that he should be able to hold down third base. Right. Until you see him do it. And then it's just like, ugh. I don't know, but... I mean, look, Jed Hoyer referenced it in his, his end-of-season press conference. He said, we need to have an everyday spot for this guy. He said it back on June 19th on the on the air, right, publicly said we need to find him, and he, he has to have an everyday spot in the field, uh, which at the time seemed like it had to be third base. You look around, you're like, oh, it's got to be third, and then it wasn't. So um, I, I think that they would love for that to happen. But at the same time, I, I I don't think that they can go into the winter saying this is the plan. I mean, I think you got to yeah. you got to make other contingencies if those fall through, and if it's not an everyday mashing third baseman, then you say, all right, Chris, <laughs> get in there, like figure it out, yeah. figure out the hot corner, baby, because we got to roll with you. Yeah, yeah, I think like you mentioned, I like 
obviously when he came up, it was because of some some defensive versatility, a lot of injuries in 2022, um, that they just kind of needed a guy maybe not going to give you gold glove level defense at any position, but can play serviceable at a few different spots, right? Um, and that was kind of the role, the the versatile defender, right? I think we did, I think we saw over the last year and a half that that's just not the role for Morrell. I like finding it a permanent home is a sh- like it should be uh, this offseason plan for us. So yeah, I I, I, I agree that best case scenario is Morrell <laughs> takes the whole offseason, figures out third base, becomes consistent over there, and and locks that position down because he is obviously still a young guy, still developing and and having to do that development at the major league level. Um, so, I mean, I, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. I think he does need significant work. If he wasn't, if he was close to being an everyday third baseman, that he would have gotten a lot more opportunities there, uh, this season. So he, I think just with, with that context, like you're, you know, he's got to work pretty hard at it this off season, if it's going to be, if he's going to be able to take that role next season. But, um, yeah, I agree with you guys that that's in an ideal world for the Cubs, like Christopher Morrell, being able to lock down third base and you know obviously continuing to provide the power and the slug that he's done over the last year and a half like that's that is like best case scenario for him right now because that, that means you, they're able to fill that spot every day with an internal option versus having to go out and get whoever free agent or re-signing Candelaria whatever they have might have mm-hmm. to do I guess for me it's like I like I, I've seen a lot of discourse online of oh, the Cubs need to just trade Christopher Morrell because he doesn't have a position. And I'm like, this dude's 24, and if you, like, I I don't know if you saw it, Evan, but I did, like, a thread this weekend. Uh, I think it was Friday night because I was doing absolutely nothing. <laughs> and I looked up Javi, Javi Baez's numbers. He's, like, first two, two and a half seasons. You can't combine 2014 through all the way through 2016. I, comb- I looked at his numbers comparatively to Christopher Morrell the, these first two years. And Christopher Morrell, offensively at least, not defensively obviously, but offensively at least, he's, he's better than Javi Baez, in my opinion, in certain aspects of this game. Not fully, but certain aspects. Javi Baez had a higher ceiling, and he ended up being better. But my point is, is that he's just not someone that I want to move on from or even trade unless you really are getting like a you know if we're talking about third base like if the guardians were interested in in moving jose ramirez because they're not getting any better with him i don't know like like he would be my potential trade target for third baseman if they were to trade for one but you get what i'm saying there's just a lot to like about morell and i'm not someone who wants to move on at all from this guy yet for the bat alone. And if they can just find a way to find a position for this guy and third base is literally the only one, then like I I'm to me, if, if Nick Madrigal can find a way to play third base at not just an okay level, but at a great level, if he can find a way to do it, then I'm, then I think Morrell can as well. Obviously he's got a lot to prove and there's gotta be some improvement, especially on the footwork, I think. But I guess for me, like to round it out, like he's, I think it would be a massive mistake if they trade him, unless you're getting a superstar caliber player. And obviously, you would have to send more than just Morrell as part of a, a trade package. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, obviously they're not banking on anybody um, coming up. You, you have to take care of the major league team first, try to lock that up. But I am super, super bullish on Matt Shaw, their top draft pick this last summer. Because yeah. that if, if he can move over and play third, right? We know there's not going to be a spot for him on the middle infield. So, I, I you know, there, there's limited stuff. In it. But like you said, I think if, not only if it was for Ramirez, but if there was a way for them to find that young, cost-controlled, fireballing starter who they could go and say, you are the ace, right? No no offense to Justin Steele. I would love it. but but And this is not saying he's not a number one. But I think if you have a rotation which Justin Steele is your number two, which was the case for pretty much the first half, right? It was Stroman Steele. Mm-hmm. If Steele's your number two and you can get a guy who's out there, again, just pumping gas and throwing nasty junk that gets on Pitching Ninja all the time, I do think there are some situations where they'd be willing to kind of part with, whether it be Morell or something. I mean, heck, we, we saw 
they parted with uh, Nelson Velasquez just to get Jose Quas. So, like, they've proven that they're willing to get rid of dynamic young sluggers in order to fill little needs. Uh, again, I'm being kind of hyperbolic, but I do think that there are a couple situations in, in which you could see him moved. But, like you said, it would have to be like, this is not like a lottery ticket. This is a guaranteed blue chip. We know what we got for the next five years with this guy. Yeah, yeah. I and I, I, I guess I'm curious your thoughts on, like, my stance with, young guys, prospects, whatever, like no one's untouchable in my opinion. Um, you know, I, I obviously like a guy like P. Crow Armstrong or Kate Horton isn't just going to be traded for a reliever to fill a spot or, you know, a, a guy, on a, you know, there's going to take the kind of deal, but do you see anyone in this system as being truly untouchable or is it, it kind of like, or, or do you feel like if the price is right, no one is, I, 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 I kind of lean that way, but I'm curious what you think. Yeah, I mean, I think it's one of those where in order to move one of those, I think those two that you mentioned, right, PCA and, and Kate Horton are probably the only two who would be like, all right, these are on a separate tier. Yeah. So unless you're coming to us with, you know, it, it's got to be a crazy yeah. kind of a deal, right? Like, I don't even think you're talking about that for Juan Soto, right? Just because there's only one year left at this point, mm -hmm. that kind of thing. Um but yeah, otherwise they've got so much depth, especially in the outfield. Again, when you have your two corner spots, three of their top four prospects are outfielders. Yeah, and and guess what? Uh, they're all making their way up. PCA's already debuted. Kevin Alcantara is on his way soon. Owen Casey is on his way soon. Those three guys can't all be in Chicago along with Ian Happ and along with Seiya Suzuki. So. They're going to have to start. And I, I think that's the thing is they can make two guys effectively untouchable because they've got so much high-end talent right below them. But to your point, total agreement. At some point, one of us has to share a take that like is more controversial because we're all like, <laughs> yep, yep, I agree with all these things. Uh, there, nobody's ever really untouchable For sure. in the right deal, but who's going to come to the Cubs with that deal? I don't know that it even exists. Yeah, that's true. Um, we're with Evan Altman from Cubs Insider. It's been fun talking to you, man. Uh, we got a few minutes left. Let me tell you about Sunnyside first, though, because once we get to the next segment, it goes great with after you make a stop with Sun, uh, at Sunnyside, which, sure. you, which you'll probably do when you go home. Um, <laughs> Sunnyside is your home for judgment-free cannabis shopping, a place where all kinds of visitors are welcome to explore, discover, and purchase a wide array of high-quality products. Sunnyside has everything you need to elevate Whatever season it is, this it's football season, so it's it's great during football season. No matter where you are on your cannabis journey, easy online ordering and in-store pickup, and they have a great transparent loyalty program called Sunnyside Rewards. It's Illinois' favorite dispensary. Uh, some of the favorites include from the uh, Sunnyside House of Brands, uh, Mindy's, the best-tasting gummy, and chocolate edibles created by James Beard Award-winning chef Mindy Siegel and Cresco Labs. Uh, good news, Cresco, High Supply, Wonder, uh, and a lot more. So through October 15th, head to Sunnyside.shop and use code CHGO25 at checkout for 25% off your total order when used per customer, not stackable with other promotions. That's not only for new customers. Anyone can use our code. Pick up everything you need to elevate your football season. Must be 21 plus or an Illinois med card holder. So again, yes. You can use the code more than once. There you go. And so you're going to go to Sunnyside a few times, right? You know what else you should do? Get some Goose Island. Oh, it's... Whatever, whichever one you want, Goose Island. perfect together. We love Goose Island. CHGO is supported by Goose Island Beer Company, Chicago's beer since 1988. I mean, their beer roster is like, what was the Yankees... Murderers Row, right back mm -hmm. in back in like the twenties. This is this is basically it for beer. Oktoberfest, beer hug family, three one two wheat ale, uh, full pocket pills. Uh, what's your favorite, Cody? Uh, these days it is the three one two, but the full pocket pills in the summer is. There you go. That's different. There you go. Um, you know, I I believe also that our Bears the CHGO Bears tailgate mm -hmm. this yes. Sunday will be. Uh, the 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 brews of choice will be Goose Island Obviously. beer. We have like these two big tin like buckets that full of Goose Island beer. It's, there you go. So it's a beautiful scene when you show up to the tailgate. Come to our CHGO Bears tailgate this Sunday when the Bears take on the Vikings, um, and there will be 
your choice of Goose Island beers right there. Um, so grab ultra fresh brewery exclusive beers at Goose Island's original brew house on Clybourne Avenue in Lincoln Park or from their tap room on Fulton Street in Westtown. Goose Island Beer Company, Chicago's beer. Okay, so I kind of tease it a little bit um, here at the end. Uh, I said it goes good with Sunnyside because uh, to to me, you know, it sucks this October that the Cubs aren't playing. But, Evan, I'm sure you've done this. Sometimes you want to relive fun moments, right? So maybe you go home, go on, hop on YouTube. After you watch our show. After you watch our show. Maybe you're watching our, sh- our show at home right now, but maybe after the show you could just – you know, type in uh, 2015 Cubs Pirates wildcard game. And, you know, if you got your sunny side, it goes well with rewatching that game because I think it was Saturday was the anniversary of Jake. Yeah. yeah Jake Arrieta so. complete Saturday. game game, the complete game shutout. Um, and it was also the anniversary of Javi Baez and game one, the home run in 2016. Against the Giants, Giants. That yeah. barely landed in the, uh, mm-hmm. I believe that was game. yesterday. So it was a, a big weekend for like Cubs anniversaries, which we're going to be doing all October because that's <laughs> what we're doing since our team isn't playing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> those two, I guess, Evan, uh, first of all, Jake's Jake's game in 15, that wild card game. Mm-hmm. What was it like watching that? I, rem- I remember watching it back then. And I was, I mean, we knew that Jake Arietta had like one of the greatest second half runs of any pitcher ever. Um, but then seeing him go out and dominate, as you mentioned bef- before, the 98 win pirates, in the one game wild card, what was that like to watch? Yeah, I mean that was one of the few times. Like the one game thing is is really it freaks you out, but that was for the whole second half of that season. You knew if Jake Arrieta was pitching, the Cubs are going to win, right? And so that felt inevitable. And the fact that like he went out there and that's so you know the the pirate parrot was trolling him. He was like, whatever helps you keep hope alive. Just know it doesn't matter. Like yeah. as soon as that came out, everyone was like, oh yeah, the Cubs are going to win. You know, and then you had the Schwarber home run you know, into the, into the river, I almost said Lake. Right. And I mean, just that, that game, felt, which is weird as a Cubs fan, right. You normally do not go into these things feeling good about them. Um, but for this, for the 2016 one, it was really cool. We had actually, I'd rallied a bunch of people together. We rented out uh, a, a room at Dave and Buster's and like got everybody, we had a raffle, had this whole thing. So we had like 30 or 40 people in the room watching it. And that game was like the opposite because it was just, uh, is anybody going to do anything? But then as soon as Javi hit that, again, same deal. You're like, oh, okay, now this feels like – like, and that team had felt like one of destiny anyway. So it was really weird from that moment of 2015 through that whole next year to be like, mm-hmm. yeah, this team is is legit. Other than, you know, the championship series against the Mets, which was like just super painful in 2015. That was just <laughs> brutal. But That's what um, we just try to forget. <laughs> yeah, the, don't, don't, don't watch that one or else, you know, make sure you've got the – Maybe have that extra edible and then forget about that game. Um, yeah. But uh, <laughs> yeah, silent were, on the side too. Yeah, just just <laughs> chase it with uh, you know whatever you got to do. But no, it was those those were those were both just so fun because again, there's there's been very very few lifetime or times in my life when I could definitively say that I felt like the Cubs were the better team, were going to win. Here it goes, and you can go into it feeling less than just like pins and needles and all that stuff it was it was actually pretty cool yeah i i always tell people that wild card game in 15 was the most like nerve-wracking game i've ever watched even though even though jake arietta was so great and dominating and the second half he had i i it's just like going into that game the cubs hadn't won a playoff game since 2003 mm-hmm. and so i, I was as I say a lot, ready to be hurt again. And he, what he did in that game is it just – I'll never forget. It was one of the greatest games I ever watched. Um, and then obviously the bias – when bias hit the homer, thank God the wind wasn't howling in to a point to where that basket wouldn't have caught the ball. But, you know, it all worked out. It was a great game. Yeah. Um, obviously we're talking about like those are playoff moments, right? The Cubs haven't been back to the playoffs in a – one sixty-two game season since eighteen. I want to yep. say it is. It's been it's been a while. Um, Evan, my I guess one of my last questions is just where when you look at this team, you see the steps they've taken. Obviously, since uh, tearing the team down in twenty-one, going through a bad season twenty-twenty-two, um, and then what they were able to do this year. Where where are they at? Like, how close do you think they are to really 
getting to the postseason and, and, and potentially making some of those moments happen again? Yeah, I mean, it's it's tough to say without knowing. I, I think we'll know when we see what Hoyer does this offseason in the front office in general. I don't want to I don't discount the efforts of anyone else there in, in the front office, but uh, it it has for a while there, like if you had asked me that question prior to September, I would have said it feels very much like 2015. Sure. It, kind of an unassuming, right? They they had, like the, the vibes were immaculate around that 2015 team though, right? Like, because they, mm-hmm. after they got no hit by Cole Hamels, and that's what I looked at, like the sweep by the, the Angels was kind of that same period. When they got no hit, no hit by Cole Hamels at Wrigley to break the streak that they had had, you know, 10,000 some odd games in a row, they were the longest ever. Mm-hmm. It, it felt like, okay, cool. Now the young team, they they fought really hard. Now they're just going to mail it in. Cool, they'll finish around 500, no big deal. Instead, they became the hottest team in baseball and took off. And, the, and, and again, you talked about that Angels sweep earlier. That felt similar to me where you're like, okay, we've seen what they are now. Good, you know, good luck. Try to do better next year. And then and then they got really, really hot after that. It was like, oh, okay, this, these guys might have some. This is fun to watch. Like they were, I mean, they were so fun for July and, and, and August. And, and obviously that did not come up, but I, I've never had more fun. We, we talk about the World Series, whatever, but that 2015 season, because you had no expectations of that team, the second half, watching that 2015 club, easily the most fun I've had watching baseball in my in my life. Um, just just because I was like, they're, they're young and they don't know any better. This is awesome. <laughs> um, and, it, and it felt a little bit like that for a while this year. So... Yeah. It's like a mix of 2014, 15, right? Because yeah. you can see, like, maybe, but not just yeah. not quite. A couple they, of things. For two months, it felt like 2015, and then the rest of it, it, it was a lot like 2014, where you yeah. knew that the talent was coming and it was on the way, but they just didn't have enough. So I guess it mm-hmm. was a mixture of both seasons. Um, but yeah, I. I will say with the the good vibes from the year, it does have me, uh, you know, that is what I'm hanging on this entire offseason going into next year is that this team did show something and now it's time for them to take that next step, uh, make it a real contender and not just some fringe roster where you're like, oh, if this guy does this and this guy does this, for this case, this season was if Cody Bellinger gets back to any kind of MVP form and if, you know, Steele improves off last season and, and all this, like, let's get some proven guys in here that know how to win and can take this team to the next, to the next step. And part of me, part of me is wants more than just playoffs. I know, like, they didn't make the playoffs this year, but part of me wants more than just playoffs just based off the year that we had because – to me, they, they they are their own doing is the reason they didn't make the playoffs with how September went. Um, so I guess, I don't know about you, Evan, but for me, I'm, I have NL Central or bust, as in win the division or bust, and get to the NLCS. That though, even without all the moves yet and all the offseason taken off yet. That's that's my expectation for next year right now cuz I am expecting them Quite to have a big expectation. I'm expecting them to have a huge offseason. They, they should. I mean, yeah. they, they don't have any excuses and and Jed Hoyer certainly seemed to indicate as much. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, he said, "Hey, we were aggressive with spending last year and we want to keep that momentum going." Uh so I, I think they kind of have to, right? You you can't have the the partial improvement that we saw and then not continue on that. The the division is still very much up for grabs and, and has been for the last several years. It's not like you've had to be an excellent team necessarily. Uh, but, yeah, I, I don't know if uh, if CS, I, I'd probably go just, hey, DS, just like make it through the wild card or skip the wild card round entirely, get that buy, and maybe they can, uh, you know, set us up with uh, with showing that the buy is, is just perfectly fine, won't cause you any problems. But, yeah, they they have to show there's no more room left to be like, Oh yeah, hey, they're improving. Cool, those plucky Cubs are getting better. Like, no, you have to be good next year. This is the yeah. Jed Hoyer's not a rebuild has lasted longer than the actual <laughs> rebuild in the first part. So, um, yeah, time time has uh, elapsed on them being able to kind of have the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, and I think part of that had to do with how this season played out, knowing how close they were, had depth and injuries not been a problem at the end of September. They probably get there, right? Um, had they not made that crazy run maybe don't have that expectations for next season but like 
knowing how close they were, I think the expectations for 24 have risen because you could see that they are they are pretty close with what they have already. Now, as you guys have both said, like they have to do something this offseason to improve that even more. And so make it not like you're, oh, we're this close again. No, no. Like they, the expectations have risen. It can't just be like we were close anymore. It's got to be we got there at this mm-hmm. point to me. Yeah. All right. Um, before we get out of here, Evan, I don't know if you're a CHGO diehard, but let me tell you why you should become one if you're not. Uh, we got podcasts and live shows for every team every day, Monday through Friday. I mean, the Cubs season is over, and we're still doing shows five days a week for an hour each day. Uh, and like I said, for every team across the entire city, um, post-game shows in season. Uh, you got premium written con- content for all members at allchgo.com. So a lot of stuff that Ryan writes, uh, it's – you know, you get to read a lot of it for free, but there's also some stuff that Lots he writes that it's for diehards exclusively. You got 20% off all merch uh, and events. Um, so like our tailgate this this week, uh, this Sunday, uh, 20% off if you're a diehard. The merch uh, on uh, the chgolocker.com is 20% off if you're a diehard. Um, and when you become a member, you get a free shirt. So yep. Free I'm, dope merch. You get, you get a free shirt, and then you get a discount on the next shirt that you want to get. So... And then, of course, uh, we have the uh, members-only Discord, which it's a wild roller coaster in the Cubs one all the time, especially in season. Because when <laughs> things are going good, everyone's like vibing, having a good time. And then when things are going bad, or if you know David Ross makes a decision that everyone hates, then everyone is complaining in it. And it's then not we, as much of a good time it, when the Cubs are going bad. Yeah, <laughs> but <laughs> good times are ahead. I'm doing whatever I can to manifest good times ahead for the Chicago Cubs in 2020. Four, so uh, yeah, it's a great time to sign up. Obviously, the Cup season is 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 not going on right now, but with the Bears season and the Bulls and the Blackhawks starting up, it's a perfect time to become a CHO diehard. So, um, yeah, I um, I I encourage anyone. Me too. I, yeah, <laughs> if you're not diehard yet, you should yeah. become one. Uh, Evan, thanks again for joining us, man. Uh, you want to let the people know where they can find you and all the all the stuff. Yeah, sure. Just check out CubsInsider.com or, uh, you know, you can find us on Twitter at Real Cubs Insider. I'm at D Evan Altman or X or whatever. Right. Um, <laughs> or if you're if, if you're an old and you enjoy Facebook uh, or just tolerate it, you can just search Cubs Insider on there and, and just don't read the comments and you're good. <laughs> <laughs> I always enjoy when you post when you when you post the like screen grabs of just angry people in the comments because the takes they're so fiery that they that they uh, honestly in some aspects give me heartburn sometimes it's uh (laughs) there's some interesting stuff out there that's for sure (laughs) (laughs) absolutely well again thanks again for coming on man um i i know we'll probably do another guest week whether it's before um the cubs convention or before the season and we'd love to have you on again sounds good to me Awesome. All right. Thanks, man. Thanks for coming on. Uh, Everyone in the chat, sorry I didn't read a lot of your comments. Barb, we were live the entire time, so congrats on making it all the way through with us live. Uh, Omar, Rhonda, Edward, Shane, uh, we saw your comments. We were just, you know, Luke Stuckmeyer does this so much better than me. (laughs) Um, But we are live tomorrow, 120. Hopefully Luke is back. We'll see. We'll see. If not, we're going to try and do this again. My guy and Evan's guy too, Max Bain, will be on the show remotely. I wish he'd be here in studio, but he'll be on remotely. There so go. Uh, join us then, 120. Should be a lot of fun. All right. Anything else? Yeah, thanks again to Evan for joining us today, man. Awesome. Really, really fun. We will see Thank you sure. tomorrow. Flat W.